Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. coming year. 2 Samuel 6, verse number 3. This, for some, may be a familiar setting of Scripture. It says, And they set the, car, the ark of God upon a new cart, brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gibeah and Uzzah, or Uzzah in Ohio. The sons of Abinadab drave the new cart. They brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was at Gibeah, accompanying the ark of God. Ohio went before the ark. Verse number five. And David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments made of fir wood, even on harps and on psalteries and on timbrels and on cornets and on cymbals. Skipping down to verse number 13. And it was so that when they that bear the ark of God had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was girded with a linen ephod. Verse number 16, And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. She despised him in her heart. Verse number 20, Then David returned to bless his household. Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaidens of his servants as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovereth himself. David said unto Michael, it was before the Lord which chose me before thy father, before all the house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore will I play before the Lord and I will be and I will yet be more vile than thus and will be base in mine own sight. And of the maidservants which thou hast spoken of, of them shall I be had in honor. We started uh, this month a series on the heart of worship, centering around worship. Last week we talked about the attitude of worship. Today I'd like to talk to you about the expression, the expression of worship today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer one more time, shall we? Lord Jesus, I need you this morning. God, your people need you today. God, I pray, oh Lord, we come here this morning, God, to direct our attention, God, to you and our minds, God, to you. I pray, God, that you would help us in the next little while, Lord Jesus, to follow, Lord, the scriptures. God, to unpack them, Lord Jesus, to allow them to speak into our lives and our hearts. Lord, anoint every individual, Lord, here today. We need the anointing of your spirit. God, we know your word, Lord, already has anointing. But God, we are vessels of clay, both hearers and speaker alike. God, and we need, Lord Jesus, your presence, God, upon us in this place. In the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. Everybody say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. In Jesus' name. The expression, the expression of Worship Again, last week was the attitude. This week is the expression of worship. And in order to 
consider the expression of worship today, we, we choose the time in which David is going to go get the Ark of the Covenant, which many of you know, but for the sake of those that may not, go get the Ark of the Covenant, which was revered and respected as the very presence of the Lord. And it was revered as that because God had told Moses that whenever he gave him the plan to the tabernacle and that everything was to be made according to the pattern, just as he, just as he required, that he had told Moses that between the cherubim that were on the mercy seat, that were on the Ark of the Covenant, between them that he would appear unto Moses and commune with him. Cloud would come down, the presence of the Lord would hover there as, as it seemed to be and speak and have conversation with Moses. And so it's from that point forward that the Ark of the Covenant is, is respected as the very presence of the Lord. We see that the children of Israel oftentimes is even bringing the Ark of the Covenant into battle with them because they revere if they had it there, they had the presence of the Lord there. They were very, very intentional about that. As a matter of fact, at different places in Scripture, the Bible says they would even have this, this chant almost that they would say. They would say, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. And that was all related to the, the Levitical priesthood getting underneath those poles, those staves that were on the sides of the ark and bearing the ark on their shoulder and lifting it up. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered because they felt like they had, they had good favor upon the Lord when the ark was in their presence. And so David here in 2 Samuel 6 the Ark of the Covenant has been gone from Jerusalem for quite some time. As a matter of fact, it has been every bit of decades since it has been in the city of Jerusalem. And David makes two attempts that we see here in Scripture. Two attempts in Scripture to go get the Ark of the Covenant back in Jerusalem. And it's these two attempts or these two trips that I want to focus on this morning because each of these trips have elements about them that puts the expression of worship into view. Both trips put the expression of worship into view. Again, this morning, to get our bearings uh, uh, to be appropriate here today and where they need to be, worship, the whole concept of worship in Scripture, again, relates primarily to this, this bowing down or this lowering of oneself in the presence of, of one that they revere and they respect, of a superior. It is that bowing down. The, the actual bowing down, if you will, was an expression of how one may view another. It was an expression of worship. Uh, the principle is found in the Old Testament. The Old Testament word translated worship meant to depress or to bow down or to prostrate oneself before the Lord. You see this over and over again in the Old Testament. One instance is Exodus 4.31. The Bible says that they bowed their heads and worship. The bowing is accompanied with the worship because it was, it was that. Worship was the bowing. 94 other places in the Old Testament do we see this bowing or this worship that is taking place. Whether it was a physical bowing which many times in the Old Testament was there was also that emotional idea of of in a sense of emotionally in our spirits that there's this bowing down but many times it's expressed by even a physical act of literally paying some homage if you will and bowing before the Lord worship is vitally important all throughout scripture when we look at those great 20 
at those great rather ten commandments found in Exodus 20 uh, that the Lord gave to the children of Israel, we come to realize very quickly that the first of those commandments was really concerning worship. All concerning worship. Whenever God speaks to his people that they are, thou shalt not have any other gods before me. What's he talking about? He's talking about worship. He was to be first, primary, and foremost in their life. Whenever he talked to them that thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, there it is again. He's talking about worship. Amen. He wanted to be the main. Even whenever he says thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. I mean, you don't want to take your name upon, my name upon your life and then act in such a way that doesn't complement who I am. That really is about worship. Whenever he's talking about thou shalt remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That is for sure about worship. That one day out of seven that they would not do any work and they would set the work aside for the purpose of what? Worship. For the purpose of remembering the Lord. And so he's big on this worship idea. Amen. And we see this all throughout the scripture, this worship idea. So it is that lowering. It is that keeping ourselves in proper position concerning the Lord. See, whenever Satan, as we read in Isaiah 14, whenever Satan got out of, of Kelter and found himself from an angel to just a devil, so to speak, uh, a fallen angel, it was all about worship. It's all about worship. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 14, whenever Satan was there and he was pulling his tricks, he got in a position outside of worship. He wasn't in that bowing down, prostrating, if you will, having God in the proper view, but he was more in that arrogant, prideful spot of saying, I will ascend into heaven. The five I wills of, of, of Isaiah 14. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne. That's not worshiping God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation. Number four, I will. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. That's a, not a lowering. That's not a bowing. And then the, the capstone, the cherry, if you want to call it, it's a rotten cherry, on top, he's, I will be like the most high. See, it was all really a corrupt system of worship that caused the adversary to fall. And so our expression of worship and worship is a very important thing as a result of all these things. But here's here the Bible speaks of David. David, to get a little background to the scripture here that we're speaking of today, David has just recently been made king, just recently been made king over Israel. He's already been made king over Judah. This was during the time frame that there's a northern tribes and the southern tribes and David's already been made king over Judah. All right, but now he's being made king over Israel. So both the southern and the northern tribes have accepted him as their king. And one of the first things that he does is goes and conquers Jerusalem. And he wants that back within their control. Amen. And so then the very next thing that he does is what we see in our scripture text. He's concentrating on getting the Ark of the Covenant, or if you will, remember, the presence of the Lord back at Jerusalem. Again, it's been decades since the ark has been at Jerusalem. And if you will, he wanted to get the presence of God back in the center of it all. Kind of like the song that we sing, Jesus in the center of it all. He was trying to get the presence of God back in the center of it all. That's where it belonged. And for that matter, I believe he understood how important having it there would be to his kingship, to him being a ruler. And it was important to David. 
getting God's presence back there was important to David. There are at least 11 psalms where, uh, that are written, that are composed around this idea and event of bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. So this was heavily upon David's mind and important to him because, again, I believe he knew he would not be able to serve well in his capacity as a ruler or as a king unless the king of kings was appropriately honored and respected in his life and the life of the nation, right? Amen. Uh, it's always good to get on the good side of God. <laughs> it's always good to get on the good side of God. And so the Bible tells us that the Ark of the Covenant was located at a place called Kirjath Jerim, and that's not nothing you need to know how to spell. Amen. Kirjath Jerim. It's, and here's the interesting thing, though, about this, that I didn't, I've been studying the Bible all these years. I didn't know until this, just this week. But Kirjath Jerim, the location of Kirjath Jerim is just at the border of Israel and that which wasn't Israel, the Philistines. It was a place that was just on the inside of Israel. It was on the borderline. That's where God's covenant, his presence was. David says, I, I got to get God's presence away from the border, the line. And I got I to gotta get it over here into Jerusalem. No wonder David speaks all times we see him in the Psalms whenever he's talking about the Ark of the Covenant and, and these things that he's saying, you know, I'm not going into my house. I'm not going to sleep on my bed until what? I found a place for the Ark of the Covenant. Well, I found a place for the Lord. And so this is David's, this is David's attitude. And so he goes to get the Ark on this first attempt. And it seems like, man, everything is just where it needs to be. Everything is just according to the way it ought to be. He's coming, as the Bible says, he has all manner of instruments made of wood and salt trees and harps and timbrels and cymbals. He has all these things, and, and it just seems to be tremendous and glorious. Amen. He's having all of this praise that's taking place with the instrumentation because by and large, that's what we uh, do predominantly with musical instruments. We praise the Lord. Because you read the Psalms 150, that is very notable. Praise him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Praise him with the timbrel. Praise him with the dance. You see that he, he starts out in Psalms 150 talking about all these different instruments that are used for the purpose predominantly for praising the Lord. And, and he has these singers, no doubt, and, and musicians that are taking place. But there's something that also is necessary in getting God's presence to where it needs to be, and that is worship. Not just praise, but worship. See, uh, when we look at the tabernacles, there's the tabernacle of Moses, which is known as the tabernacle in the wilderness. And then you have, you have, temp, you have the temple of Solomon, but in between those you have what was known as the tabernacle of David. David did make just a little tent to put the, the, the Ark of the Covenant in for a moment in time. But what was real, real uh, a keynote that rose to the top concerning the tabernacle of David was all of the singing and all the music that took place. David really initiated that in the tabernacle. It wasn't really there before. And we, we don't see a whole lot of it, you know, uh, prior to the tabernacle of David. But he instituted the singers and the musicians. And that's great because praise is absolutely important. Amen for all those things. But there was something that was there. Amen concerning worship before there was the singers and the musicians in the tabernacle of Moses. And that was they would bring offerings and sacrifices sacrifices unto their God which denoted a worship system because you're sacrificing to something that is greater than you are 
And so worship had been along in this thing all along. And so David has the praise going now for this first attempt with worship and, and with singers and with musicians. But he, he, he kind of lacked a little bit on the worship side. Because the Bible tells us here's one problem how it all started. And you, you can read of this very same story in the book of Chronicles uh, 13, 14, 15, right in there. You can read of this very same story. But, but here's David. David's heir was this. It's not been in Jerusalem for quite some time. He's going to go get the Ark of the Covenant. And the Bible says that David basically consulted some people on how to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. And so he consulted, he consulted, the Bible said, some captains of thousands. And he consulted every leader, the Bible says. And whenever the day's end was, they all came to this estimation that they need to bring the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, back on a cart. On a cart. David would soon find out that that was the incorrect way to usher the presence of the Lord back into Jerusalem. Let me tell you this. If you want to know how to get God's presence, you don't have to ask anybody. Just ask God in his word. Just ask God in his word. If, if the New Testament scripture tells us with the, Jesus Christ dealing with the lady that, was, uh, uh, that had, had, you know, uh, uh, not five husbands, but the lady that was at the well that said our fathers worship in this mountain in John 4. If the way that Jesus dealt with her speaking about that the father seeketh true worshipers. Now see this is how, because again I tell you, I think I said this opening service just a few, few uh, weeks back or a few services ago. Uh, worship, him seeking, that's like the only thing you ever see him ever seeking for. Amen. And he said the father seeketh true worshipers to worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, when we talk about worshiping the Father in spirit and truth, we're not talking about worship Him in capital S spirit. All right? Because why would He need His spirit to worship Himself? He's talking about your human spirit to worship Him in spirit and in truth. What's the truth? Brother McGee, I got to have it all together? No, we talked about it last week. Worship's not about you, it's about God. But worship Him in truth is this being truthful about where you are. Being truthful about who you are, where you are in the schemes of things. So worship him in spirit and truth. So if you want to know how to bring the presence of God back, he didn't have to ask a captain or a leader. He needed to consult God in his word to know the appropriate way. And so as he's attempting the first time to bring it back, he's got it's on a new cart. He has all the psaltery and all the harps and all of the music where a great instrumentation of praise. But we're lacking something. Worship. We're lacking worship because the way that they were handling the, the ark, it being on the cart, was the same way that the pagans had handled the ark and it was the same way that the pagans had handled their gods. And so it's important this morning to remember that God cannot be handled the same way that you would handle any old God. Because if you handle him the same way you would handle anything else, then you don't have the high view that you need to have. If you handle him the same way as any other God, then you put him on equal footing. Huh? And that's not worship. On equal footing with every other God. The Bible says in Isaiah 46 and 1, and for your reference, or he can put it up on the screen if he desires to. But Isaiah 46 and 1, speaking of these pagans and how they handled their gods and their idols, it says their idols were upon the beast and upon the cattle 
your carriages were heavy loaded. In other words, they would get their carts out and have it strapped to a mule or donkey or whatever, and they would get all these gods of wood and stone that they had made by their own hands, which is always just mind-boggling to me. Serving something that they had made of their own hands, yet at the same time, I see it's not too different from today. A lot of things we bow down to that our hands have been participants in. But nevertheless, and so they're grabbing all these things, putting in a cart for mobility. They're picking up their, I love the, you read a few verses further down, I love this verse of scripture because God is, the God of heaven is talking about how different he is from those gods. He basically tells them, you got to carry your gods. He says, but me being God, I carry my people. They got to carry their gods, but me being God, I carry my people. Woo! That's deserving of some worship. So they're putting them in their carts and they're, they're carting them away. And they were doing then the exact same thing here than with the ark of God, which was revered as the very presence of God. They're putting it on a cart, no different than what the pagans did to their gods, and they are carting it along. But our approach and our interaction with our God, I repeat, cannot be the same as the world approaches and interacts with their gods. For a matter of fact, one of the times that the, the nation of Israel had taken the Ark of the Covenant out to battle with them, thinking that it would prosper them. They were in fight once again with the Philistines, which was a common enemy. The Bible says at the end of that day, the day's end, that the Philistines had stolen the Ark of the Covenant. And they cart it off into the land of the Philistines. All right? They cart him off. Now, you say, well, Brother McGee, the Philistines carted him off in a way. Well, that's because they didn't view him any different from their gods. They didn't view him any different than their gods. Matter of fact, that was quite somewhat of an honorable thing for people that were not in covenant with God. That was quite an honorable thing for them to do because they put him on equal standing with their gods. But that is not an honorable thing for people that's in covenant with God to do. Matter of fact, whenever they, whenever they finally had their woe, you know, Dagon's hit the ground a few times, broken up in pieces, and, and finally they have emeralds, which is basically hemorrhoids on the body. Hear about, they finally put that ark on a cart again and send it away with few milch kind to take them back. Amen. But folks, that's because they're out of covenant with God. That's all right. They can get by with that. But we who know him, huh? Worship will go deeper as the knowledge of him goes higher. The more you know about God, the deeper and the lower your worship should get concerning God because they are in relation. The more that I see him as the high and lifted up, the more that I bow down in humility about who he is. And so we can, we, we, it's all right. Someone come in here, amen, and their worship just to be surfaced because they only have a particular knowledge about God. But when we've been around here for 20 years and been in Bible studies and preaching and we've experienced the handiwork of God, that should just drive our worship that much deeper because our knowledge of God is that much higher or more. Knowledge increase and worship then should increase. So here, here is David. He's doing all these things, you know. <laughs> got, got maybe just a little too familiar. And listen, this, this is the Ark of the Covenant. This is the thing that was in the holies of holies that nobody could even go back into except the priest once a year on the Day of Atonement. 
This is the thing that was covered up with badger skins and the priest carried it, wasn't allowed to touch it. I mean, this is holy, which is the nature of God. This is holy. But now everybody's a little bit too familiar with his holiness. And what happens? When we get familiar, when we get too familiar with God's holiness, we get casual in our worship sometimes. Because it's second nature. So there's, there's that degree when knowledge increases, it should make worship increase, but it can also have another effect if we're not approaching carefully and cause us to become casual. Now here's something I think that this whole story proves. He has musicians. Strike up the band. He has musicians. But they're pushing or they're carrying, they're tugging the, 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 the Ark of the Covenant on a cart. They have musicians, musicians and instruments of praise. What that tells me is this. It's proof because he has all this great band and great, great instruments. It's proof to me that we can attempt to be extravagant in our praise and still not hold him in reverence. Got every man of instrument, but he's being tugged along in a cart behind. So when all this happened, Uzzah puts forth his hand because the oxen stumble at the threshing floor and the ark does whatever. He puts out his hand, touch it, he dies. David's displeased. And you know what David's doing in this moment? He's asking a question. You can look at it in, in, in uh, the scripture. The Bible states that David asked the Lord, how shall I, verse number 9 of 2 Samuel 6, how shall the ark of the Lord come to me? And I've tried this. I've had this extravagant praise. We had it on the cart. How shall the ark of the Lord come to me? Well, number one, he finds out. You can read it in Chronicles. He finds out when he goes back a second time. This is to be carried on the shoulder of priests. You know why that's so important? It's just not the fact that it's just on the shoulders of priests. Because there is an expression of worship that's being overlooked if it doesn't happen. Why? Because every time four priests got to dip down and get that up on their shoulders. They've lowered themselves. The whole time they're carrying that, they are underneath. They are underneath his presence. What is that? That's worship. But if you put it just on a cart, it's a good chance it's lower than what you are. But if you get underneath it, every time you do that, you're putting yourself in a place, in a position lower than what it is. And so, yes, th there's an expression of worship that's here that David overlooked. He needed to get that thing up on the shoulders of the priest. That act made them lower than that, that chest that was revered as the presence of God. But also, whenever you see that David comes back the second time, he's, he's had his music and everything, yes. But look now, in verse 13, the Bible says, when they had gone six paces, that he makes sacrifices. Of oxen and fatlings. You didn't see that in the first trip. You had all the instruments. You had all the music. And you had his presence in a cart. And you didn't have any sacrifice. But we know true worship is sacrifice. And so when David goes back the second time, the priests are under the ark. They're under his presence, and he's making sacrifice. What did David get right? He got worship right on the second trip. He got worship right on his second trip, revering the Lord as he should be revered. Now, so there was an expression of worship that needed to be contended with in the first trip. 
But we see there's still a problem with the expression of worship in the second trip. But this time it's not David's problem. It's his wife's problem. I just paused here. It just went through my mind like a little boat real quick. There's nothing worse than having a worship problem in a marriage when one gets it and the other one don't. For Michael, the end result was there was no offspring from her womb. Nevertheless, here, here is Michael. She is the wife of David. He is coming in the second time. He's making his sacrifices. The Bible talks about his his extravagant praise. He is leaping and he is dancing before the Lord. I believe Chronicle says with all his might, he is doing this. Uh, Bishop has told us before all of the the Hebrew there uh, describing him as whirling in a circle in this dance, acting calamitously foolish, right? And all of this, his praise. Amen. And his worship of giving sacrifice. The Bible says he even, when he got the, 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 the ark where it was in that little tin he made, he made burnt offerings and he made peace offerings and he's doing all these things. But the Bible says that here is, and you read it in Chronicles, that all of Israel, this was a time of celebration. All of Israel, that's the way it states it. All of Israel was involved in this time of celebration. Everybody, it seems like, except Michael. She's sitting on the windowsill, as the Bible describes it. She's looking down upon David and seeing his extravagant praise. And we'll note here in just a little bit some other things. And the Bible says she despises him in her heart. Now, this is amazing to me because Michael, whenever David was a warrior... Whenever David was going out and coming in for Saul and the ladies were singing that, that Saul killed his thousands and David his ten thousands, it was in that moment the first time that the little hearts formed in the eyes of Michael. She's like, I love that man. Kind of gets a girl right here when he comes home with blood on his sword. You know, I, I love that man. She loved David the warrior and no doubt she loved David the king. The royalty and the perks and the status, you know, of being king. She loved David the king. But what she's finding hard right now, she's finding it hard to love David the worshiper. Finding it hard to, to love David the worshiper because the worshiper then is abandoning his title as king in this moment. The worshiper right now is abandoning his dignity of king and his role of king. What? For his object of worship. Love the warrior David and the king David. But see, the worshiper David strips everything aside and it's just David. Huh? No title, no position, no clout, no notoriety. It's just David and God. And there needs to be some times in our life that we strip away all the titles. Who you are, what you own, where you've been, what your role, what your status, what your cloud is, and come before the Lord and just be Paul and God and Fred and God and Angie and God and Brown and God. Just everything else stripped away. Because she has a problem and says... How glorious was the king, emphasizes the title, you see, of Israel today who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaids. 
Now, folks, this is in the sense of David uncovering himself like a naked man that's disrobing himself. But this was uncovering himself in the sense of the royal garments that a king wore. That he disbestured himself of those garments. And it just so happens it's a good time for me to disbest your mind. He disbestures himself of the garments because garments again indicated his kingship. There, those were some kingly garments there that was just peculiar to a king that denoted him as king. But he disbestures from that. He takes that off. And the Bible says he's left there with a linen ephod as he's dancing, as he's twirling, as he's acting calamorously foolish before the Lord. He had just a linen ephod, which many times was was the garment of a priest and many times even just the garment of a common man. He's going to the Lord. And so here's Michael having problem with an expression of worship. Because David stripped himself of those things and said, I got the linen ephod on. Worship will cause you to lay aside who you are for who he is. Who you are for who he is. I want to appear stripped before God because here's the thing. Here's my concept. Worship will cause you to come before the Lord stripped before God. Here's the fact of the matter. Whether you do it or not, you're stripped before him anyway. <laughs> David, it didn't matter if you kept your kingly robe on. In reality, you were stripped before the Lord. You stood. The highs of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. He sees us as we are, no matter sometimes how great we might try to dress it up. But David, being conscious of all that, he strips himself of all that, becomes before the Lord. And here is the thing. Michael despises him as a result of his expression of worship, of disvesturing himself, of his title and his dignity and his role, disvesturing himself, all that. She despises him. In reality, Michael misunderstood his expression of worship. How glorious was the king today? Here before the handmaids. Here before the people. She misunderstood The expression of worship. You know what she was worried about? What's everybody going to think? David, you did this before the handmaids. You did this before Israel. She misunderstood this expression of worship. What's people going to think? And David confronted that. He said, I did this. If if, Let me paraphrase a little long here. I did this. He said, not for the handmaids. I didn't do this for the servants. I didn't do this for you. I didn't do this for my family. He said, I did this for the Lord. He said, and I'll be more base and more vile. What's he saying? I'll get as low as I can for the Lord. It's not for anybody in the kingdom. It's not for Judah. It's not for Israel. It's for the Lord. What does David know? David has a proper perspective of worship. Amen. Michael got caught up in the idea thinking it was all about the people. David David says, no, it's not about the people. It's about what God thinks. It's not what the maiden thinks. It's about what God thinks. It's not what you think. It's what God thinks. Amen. It's what God thinks. Oh, but you shamelessly uncovered yourself. She misunderstood his expression of worship. 
I'll go a step further. It wasn't so much even her misunderstanding his expression of worship as it was that she was embarrassed because he was connected to her through marriage. You know what she felt by him worshiping? That in the moment of him doing that, he brought her a degree lower. Here's a fact that I've learned in my little course of life. You know, there can be some idiot out there doing something, and it doesn't affect me one bit. But if somebody that I know is doing something that's a little off kilter, I feel embarrassed because I feel like I have a connection to him. Had that been in some other king that was not married to her, go on and do your thing. But since there was a connection through marriage, she felt like the moment that he did it, that he also brought her to a lowering angle. But see, she was wanting to set on a window. She wasn't wanting to be that. That's the reason sometimes, and I'm not trying to be on the marriage stuff today. That's why sometimes husbands and wives get a little antsy whenever the other spouse is worshiping. Because they feel just by virtue of their connection that they've taken them and stooped them to a level. Turn with me, if you will, Galatians 1, verse number 10. Mindful here of time here. Galatians. I'm turning. I'm sorry. I don't have it written up. Galatians 1, verse number 10. Notice what the Apostle Paul is saying to the church of Galatia. He questions. He gives this question here. For do I now persuade men... Or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. You know what Paul's saying? He said, there are in many respects you can't achieve both. He says, in this matter that he's going to speak to the Galatians about, he said, if I sought to please men, he said, then I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. If I sought to please them, I would, if you will, not be a servant and him the master. Worship would be gone. So we got to ask ourselves sometimes, which is better to do, to please God or to please men? Amen, in these respects. So here's Michael. She's very critical. She's very critical of David saying it a little bit more poignantly. She's critical of David's expression of worship. So I, I have this to say about that. It's easy to criticize and become critical of worship that you're not involved in. It's easy to become critical of something, particularly worship, that we are not involved in. All Israel's bringing it back. All Israel's bringing back. The streets are littered with the people and their feet and their expressions of worship. The, the smell of sacrifice is filling the air. Whew. The hark of God is setting upon the shoulders of the priest. And this is a time of worship. But Michael says, this is ridiculous. I despise all this. She's not a part. Look what David says. 
that she even speaks. He said that I'm, I'm going to, in verse number 22, he said, I will yet be more vile than thus and will be base in mine own sight. She told him he acted as, in verse 20, as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovereth himself. Which basically means empty fellows. <laughs> See, David had emptied himself of everything. She really got it right. He said, but I'm going to be even more base, which means in the Hebrew, low. I'm going to be more low. I'm going to be more humble. It's low in height or humble in spirit. I'm going to be even more low in height. What's he saying? I'm going to bow further. And I'm going to be even more humble in spirit than what you've even witnessed here today. And I'm going to be had in honor of God. Of everybody else that's participated in the very same thing that I've participated in today. So the expression of worship, that bowing down. David didn't get it in the first trip. But he got it right in the second trip. And was judged by his wife because she didn't get it. But the sad thing is, Michael never did get it. I'm sad to say that there are going to be people that's going to get it. There may be some that just never do get it. And it's not that they don't understand it. It's just that they don't participate in it. Whenever, folks, this has been around for ages. We didn't all right? Yeah, I got time. I got time. We got time. It's been around for ages. I told you, we look at the Garden of Eden, we look at the transgression, we look at the taking of the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Not supposed to do it, not supposed to do it. But the real brass tack scenario of the garden scenario was a worship problem. Satan says, through the serpent deed, ye shall not surely die. It says, but you all know when you eat of the tree, ye shall be as gods. What? What? See, a worship problem. Eat tree, exaltation, God status. Here's a worship problem. If you can stand for me this morning, I'll come to a close. John the Baptist got it right, though, in the New Testament. It wasn't about him just having followers and then conveying those followers over to the Lord because we see that happening in Scripture. That some of the disciples are following John and then he kind of he nudges them toward the direction of following the Lord. We see that in the New Testament Scripture. But there's that fame place in Scripture where John says, he must increase, but I must decrease. Now, how in the world do you increase and exalt somebody that is exalted above the heavens, as the scripture says? How can you exalt somebody that's only highly exalted? The only way you can do that, if it is as high as it can go, the only way you can exalt it higher is by lowering yourself. By lowering yourself. You decrease. He increases. Because John said, he that is from heaven, he that is heavenly, is above all. And he that is of earth, we're just earthly. We're just earthly. Expressions of worship today. Can we bow our heads in this place this morning? God, I come to you this morning. God, I want to approach you with the right attitude of worship. But God, I do not want to fail, Lord, in my expressions of worship either.
God, I want, Lord Jesus, your presence and your spirit, God, to be upon my shoulders. And so that means I'm under it, God. I'm under it, oh God. I'm under it, oh God. I want, Lord, to enter to your gates, Lord, with thanksgiving, and I want to have praise, but I don't want to do all that by precluding, Lord Jesus, or avoiding, God, worship a sacrifice as well. God, I want to do this, Lord, with the right intent, God. I, 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 I do this, and I place myself here because I know who you are. I recognize who you are. And, God, I disvest you, and I strip myself of everything, God, every title that man has put upon me, everything, God, that I even have any type of a claim to Lord I put that aside Lord and I come before you because God this this is for you it's for you it's not my neighbor it's not the one I sit on the same pew with whenever I go to church it's for the Lord and I'm going to worship the Lord because Lord I need your presence back in Jerusalem I need your presence Lord as I'm doing my kingship Lord the nation of Israel we need your presence oh God we want to take you from the borderline of Israel and the Philistines and we want to move you Lord more inward we we need you, Lord, to be the center of it all. We need you, Lord, to be the center of it all. The center of our lives and the center of our families and the center of our churches. God, we do that, God, by means of worship, by means of worship and expressing it, Lord God, in such a manner and way. Hallelujah, Jesus, I love you today. Oh, can we raise our hands to the Lord and just be thankful to him right now? Can somebody exalt him by lowering ourselves this morning? God, oh Lord Jesus, lowering ourselves, if it's not anything else, God, through an emotional, mental operation of lowering ourselves in the presence of God. I don't want, Lord, to assume the arrogance of the adversary. I'll be like the Most High. I'll exalt myself above the heavens. I, I'll send above. No, no, no. Lord, I want to be more base. I want to be more humble. I want to lower myself, Lord. I, I want to be the servant to the master. He is the master. He is the potter. I'm the clay. That's worship. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, I love him. 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 Oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. If you've ever been critical of worship around here, I invite you to participate with the whole nation. I invite you to participate with the whole nation. Come off the window, seal down the stairs just to the common ground. Hallelujah. Just back. I felt that worship in here this morning as some of those songs that were being sung. Holy, holy, hallelujah. I felt that spirit of the Lord. Hallelujah, where people were identifying him as the one that's high and seated on the throne. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I love you, Lord. 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 Hallelujah. I need him. I do not, I do not want to be guilty as a church don't want to be guilty in a service as David was to have the extravagant instrumentation and singing but never hold him in reverence I don't want to be guilty of that I want to have both I want to have both it's necessary that we have both today amen hallelujah we're going to convene here again this evening amen at six amen again I will be preaching 
Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.